morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. A little tired. We had a unexpected emergency Impromptu. on Saturday when we thought we had a day off. Our first day between April and November, Saturday off, not doing a wedding. Sheldon's oh. on the roof on the property and I'm doing secret stuff and stuff at my computer. And he gives me a quick call and says, change of plan. We have to DJ tonight. It's like, what? I guess the poor bride, the DJ called and said they had a family emergency three hours before the ceremony and said yeah. he couldn't make it. Oh, so there was a lot of panic. Luckily, the boarding party took over and Jason McNamara, the photographer, called us. To, and luckily, we were free because can you imagine the poor bride? It yeah, no kidding, eh? That would destroy your, oh, your, your perfect God. day. Yeah, no no music for the ceremony, no music yeah. for anything. And, yeah. and what she to do, the the, the, he, the DJ had given her the instructions, well, just get a Bluetooth, Bluetooth speaker and hook it up to your phone. Wow. That is awful. Anyway, we ended up uh, hustling, getting out to the Bonnie Glen, getting set up all in like an hour and a half, two hours, which usually takes about three or four. Mm. And we did it. So it felt good to actually, you know, well, like they called us the lifesavers and it felt save, good, save the day. <laughs> yeah, we, we literally did. Here she well, comes to save the day. <laughs> yeah, we literally did. But uh, thank goodness we were free. So like I always say, Everything, Everything happens, happens for a reason. As if we were not. <laughs> but crazy, crazy. So anyway, yeah, I'm a little more tired than I should be. Friday and Saturday, two days. It takes me a, a day or two to get back to normal after going to bed at four o'clock in the morning for two days. But yeah. Uh, Anyway, well, I want to I want to say good morning to all our people, all our viewers. We have another very busy show today, so I don't <laughs> want to take too much time chatting. Um, we have uh, some of the people, fine people, running for city council again today. We also will have. I want to say before I introduce them. Um, Tonight from 7 to 7.30, we will have Chris LeClaire. Uh, we've opened up a few dates because uh, some of the people could not come on during the day. So we've uh, opened up a couple of evenings. So um, today at 7, we have Christopher LeClaire. And on Wednesday, we have friend Fred Gunjo. Uh, Abid Hussein and Corey Dixon that will be joining us from seven to eight. And then tomorrow's the big night. Oh, exciting. Yeah. Tomorrow we've got the mayoral candidates on. So we've uh, got Glenn Grant, Justin Towndale, Jordan Popes, and James LaRue. Potentially James LaRue. Potentially James LaRue. I'm saying we do because I'm putting the intention out there. He's coming. I want four, all four of them. So um, that'll be tomorrow night from 7 to 9. So, yeah. so get, get your, all your questions, your questions ready. ready. And yeah. I will ask and beg people to please not troll the chat. Tomorrow we're live on simultaneously on um, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. So... Um, Please do not flood the chat with um, trolling matters. <laughs> just All right. questions. Yeah, just real potential questions. Um, okay, uh, so this morning we have with us uh, Bruce Baker, 
Patrick Dussault, Jason Riley, Carolyn Ebert, and Stephen Scott. And I will bring them on right now. Here we go. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good so, morning. so basically what you're all doing is applying for a job, the job of Cornwall City Councilor. So briefly, can you tell us a bit about yourselves and why you think you would be good for the job? And we'll start with ladies first, always, Carrie Lynn. Excellent. Does my sound okay? Yes, your sound is yeah. fine. Great. Uh, good morning, everybody. Thank you for having me this morning on this, I think, dreary Monday. Yeah. Um, I'm Carrie Lynn Hébert, and uh, the job I'm applying for, well, it's a renew a contract, I guess, if we're getting really into it. Uh, I would like my contract renewed uh, to have another four years on city council. I have been lucky enough to serve our community for eight years, two terms, um, and I would be ever so grateful to serve you for another four years. Uh, a little bit about me. Is this the time? Can we do a little mm -hmm. intro? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, along with being on council, I my full-time gig, uh, I'm the executive director of the Social Development Council of Cornwall and Area, which is a small nonprofit currently of one point staff right now uh tiny but mighty uh and we do we don't do frontline work so we work with the nonprofit sector to identify gaps and fill them um, our biggest initiative is called vibrant communities our safety and well-being plan and it is uh, at its core a poverty reduction uh, strategy for all of cornwall sdg and Dakwasasni. uh we've been working on developing it for the last four years, four and a half years since the very beginning of my time with the Social Development Council. And in uh, April, both, well, all, all three of our, our councils, Mohawk Council, United Counties Council, and Cornwall Council approved it. So we are now implementing. So I am working with over 400 community agencies and members who are part of this collective impact initiative. And we are chipping away one strategy at a time. The plan itself has 52 strategies and our five pillars as determined through the community, through public engagement, um, and in order of priorities, mental health, access to health services, poverty, community safety, and community well-being. So as much as I love to do my work at the SDC, it also gives me this uh, advantage when I come to the council table because I I work in a, in a space where I get to speak to individuals that have lived experience and they can share with me what they're going through uh, and then I can be a voice for them at the council table which I believe I have been for the last eight years. I tend to speak up um, for vulnerable individuals who don't necessarily have a voice and I want to continue doing that. I mean I'm more than just that. Of course, there are plenty of things that I uh, I am passionate about and that I love about this community. I think we are so close to seeing amazing work on our waterfront, and I would love to be part of all of that. Um, we've got some really amazing strategic plans that we're working towards in terms of recreation and transit, and uh, I want to make sure that I'm there to continue pushing that ahead and, and moving uh, towards a more progressive and inclusive community. Uh, and I just hope that on the 24th, folks are considering me for another four years. Thank you. That's me. All Thank right. You. Perfect. I'm going to go in order that's on my screen. So we'll go to Bruce second. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me today. Hello, everybody who's watching. Um, I'm Bruce Baker. I have the honor of being our youngest candidate 
this time around. Um, and it, it sort of plays a part into why I'm running. I'm 22. I'm part of the generation that we see perennially come out of school, maybe do some college at SLC or all that, but then leave, go to Kingston, go to Ottawa, Toronto, elsewhere to, to build their lives. I want to see people stay here. I want to see people come here. But to do that, we need to be a place that people want to live in, build their homes, build their families, build their careers. That starts by making more homes that they can build, by having places like a developed waterfront that makes people want to come and, and visit, and then being accessible to businesses and opportunities so that there is real uh, gains to be had by coming here instead of just, oh, it's really pretty. Um, I had the experience to do this despite my age. I've worked in the private, public, and not-for-profit sectors already, so I've seen problems from a lot of different sides, and that's really what it comes down to, right, is, is being able to look at a problem from multiple perspectives and find the best evidence-based decision that's going to help the most people in our community, and that's what I'm hoping to do. So for all that said and done, I think we need fresh voices on council to take the progress that's been made and push it into a bigger, bolder direction. And it starts by electing people who are going to push that voice, like myself, on the 24th. So that's a little bit about me. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. And we'll move on to Patrick. Good morning. Bonjour tout le monde. Sego, thank you for having me. Sorry. Uh, so I was making notes at the same time. So, <laughs> um, so I uh, retired from public service four years ago. I was the uh, frontline police officer with UPP. And after that, I went, uh, after a full two months of retirement, I went back to work um, in Akwesasne at the uh, domestic violence shelter. A lot of people don't know there's a shelter in Akwesasne, but there's one. And uh, my role there is to be the anti-human trafficking liaison. So I've been in that role basically since January 2019 until March 2020 when COVID came and when the world was on pause, I couldn't do much of my work because a lot of things I do is outreach and advance and get people together and go to people. But I did a bit of work on contract when we're open, not open, reopen. And I'm back finally with them since um, July. And um, I have a, a coworker with me. So we're actually two, like uh, Carolyn said, mighty, very, uh, we're only two, but a mighty force. We don't, uh, we don't mess around. So that's my main role. Um, I'm also involved quite a bit with a lot of things. So I'll just go through some uh, some of it. And eventually, you know, you, you heard the term Freedom 55. So I think for me, it's going to be Freedom Dead because I'm so busy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I was teaching uh, St. Lawrence College Police Foundation since 2014. And I just uh, put in my resignation this year because, first of all, it was a bit too much. And I wanted to be current with my students. And I felt the integrity of the program would be compromised. I've been out of the force for four years. So I want to be fresh. And a lot of things are changing fast. So it's time to pass the torch. So I did that for 18 years, part-time while working. Also managed the uh, Cornwall Colts minor hockey for several years. and received the um, manager of the year twice uh, during that time. So balancing the book properly and, and so on and so forth. Especially, you know, the stuff with the Cornwall minor hockey. But I'm not going to open that door. I'm obviously active with my um, parish here. I'm a grand knight in my council of the Knights Columbus. I'm a member of the Cornwall and Area Human Trafficking Task Force, the Ottawa Coalition to End Human Trafficking, and the North Country Human Trafficking Task Force because human trafficking has no boundaries. Um, I was a former OPP association rep when I was at work because we don't have unions, we have association. 
So I'm, you know, a little bit labor uh, focused on some of the stuff, especially protecting the employees and getting good wages and good conditions. Board of Director for Social Housing with Largement Marguerite Duville since 2018. Received the award for volunteer award by uh, Guy Lozon in 2017. I am a volunteer driver for Children's Aid Society. I am a volunteer with the Children's Human Center for Special Event. I'm also on the Board of Director for Inspire. I teach part-time at the French School Notre Dame on a casual basis. And uh, that's pretty much a bird's view of uh, the stuff I do. So that's what I said. Freedom uh, Dead. Uh, <laughs> and I'm running pretty, for council. Oh, I forgot. I'm running for council. <laughs> pretty impressive resume there. Thank you. Uh, well, right. I believe that, you know, um, I've received a lot of things. I was blasting away in my life. So uh, I, I need one. Well, I don't need it. It's a choice to give back. It's uh, give back, a position yeah. to give back and I should give back. Perfect. Thank um, you. Yes. Yeah, some of the goals and objectives I have, I'll go quickly with them. Uh, and this is based on feedback that I received. So my platform was designed after speaking with citizen and, and check-in and receiving, you know, emails and calls. And, um, but, I'm going yeah, no, okay, to interrupt fine. you because no, no, we only have an hour and I really want everybody to have their say. Absolutely. So we can, we can touch on different topics after. I'll Sounds move good. On to, sorry. I'll no, move no, on that's all Steve. good. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, Patrick, that's going to be a tough act to follow. <laughs> uh, you certainly have done a lot in your community. Um, but I'm the new guy in town. Uh, Jane and I moved here uh, three years ago from Simcoe County, uh, where I uh, retired as a correctional officer with the uh, province of Ontario. Um, currently in, in Cornwall, I don't have the experience that a lot of people have in Cornwall, thus being a new guy. But uh, what I am active in is with the Optimist Club of Cornwall. We do a lot of great work for the community. And I'm also a uh, coach for the um, Bantam uh, Wildcats, Cornwall Wildcats. Uh, we had our final game of the season yesterday, and uh, I've, I'm a little hoarse today from a bit of uh, barking that I do at the referees, but uh, bear with me. Uh, one thing I've noticed here in Cornwall, I've done all of my campaigning myself. I have not asked anybody for donations. Uh, I don't think this is a time to be asking people for money. Uh, I'd rather have them put bread and milk on their table for their family. So I've done everything myself, including the uh, campaigning and knocking on all the doors. But one thing I am hearing from people in this community is that uh, we need new people and we need new ideas. And, uh, you know, as a, as a resident in Cornwall since 2019, I hope to bring a fresh perspective and, uh, and work to move the city in a positive uh, direction. Uh, during my career as the acting president and vice president twice of my union um, and a member of the collective bargaining team up in Simcoe County. I've uh, coached football for many years and this year joined the Wildcats, as I had mentioned. Uh, my wife and I were foster parents helping challenge youth uh, find their way forward. Uh, that was probably one of the most um, inviting things that I've ever done in my life. Uh, the kids are just amazing. We were foster parents for 11 children plus four of our own. Um, I was uh, also president of Foster Parents Association or sorry, vice president and a trustee for the Children's Aid Society of Simcoe County. Um, now I wanna put my resolve into showing the 
the residents of uh, Cornwall that a, a new guy can and will make a difference in this community. Uh, my past activism and advocacy has given me a reputation as a fighter. So if you vote for me in council, I promise to uh, do my best. It's the only promise I can make um, because when you represent the people, it's very important that you represent the people. It's not always the city. The important ones are the residents. So thank you and uh, great seeing everybody this morning. Thank you. Thanks. And finally, Jason. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to share our message. So um, my name is Jason Riley. Uh, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a grandfather. I graduated St. Joseph's Catholic Secondary School uh, and St. Lawrence College here in Cornwall. Um, professionally, I've been working for IBM for the last 15 years where I've helped manage some of our <clears> largest <throat> clients. Um, I was raised with a sense of community and giving back. Uh, I've been volunteering in our community for well over 30 years uh, with various nonprofits and new sports organizations. Uh, most recently, I spent the last five years uh, serving on the board of directors for the Seaway Valley Soccer Club. Um, running for council is something I've wanted to do since sitting in, in law classes at uh, St. Joseph's High School. Um, it's just something that always interests me. Um, I have a friend who sits on council now. We've chatted a lot over the last four years uh, about his experience um, around the council table. And I decided that this was the time for me to run. So that's, that's why I put my name forward. Um, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. I've always had a sense of community. Um, it's just something I wanted to do for a long time. So, yeah. Perfect. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. So we have a whole bunch of people uh, watching right now, but they are not asking questions. So I'm going to go with some of the questions that we've had in the past uh, two weeks when we met with some of the other counselors um, and uh, go over those. So the first one would be, um, do you think our main street, our downtown is healthy and successful? And we have two downtowns here in Cornwall. We're in a unique position. And if you do not, uh, what would you do to change that? And we'll do, it's a two uh, part question. So start with a downtown uh, on Pitt and then Le Village. So I'll go with Carolyn again. Thank you, Julia. So um, I think our down, our Pitt Street downtown has come a long way, even in just the last four years. I think you could all agree with me. Uh, it definitely has some more potential, but it has changed night and day from um, four, even eight years ago. And uh, doesn't mean we want to just ignore it and walk away now that it's it's doing a bit better. We always want to make sure that we're um, we're keeping our, our finger on the pulse of the needs, but I think Le Village should definitely be the the, the focus area. Um, I think that everyone would agree with that as well, right? There's um, a beautiful opportunity there, especially with its proximity to the Cotton Mill District and uh, the waterfront development that will be happening in collaboration with Mohawk Council of Akwesasne. And, uh, and so there, there is uh, far too many vacant spaces in our village. And um, there are great opportunities through uh, programs at the city to sort of uh, redevelop some of those spaces. And um, I think what is happening, and I, I could be wrong here, as, as you'll notice on council, none of us are experts on anything. 
Uh, we tend to lean on, a, on our administration since they're the experts, but it's a lot of owners for those businesses that aren't necessarily local. And, uh, and so they leave them vacant and they pay their taxes and that it's just, that's as, that's as good as it gets. Uh, and often if they just pay their taxes, there's not really anything that we can do. Right. Um, but there's opportunities through creating additional programs where we can provide more incentives to, uh, maybe reduce the rent because I know that's a, that's an issue with, uh, a lot of the retail space. Um, there's an amazing program that's happening the um, through the chamber, the, the rent, the space for a year. And that's that has provided opportunities to a few really amazing businesses. I think the city can get involved with that and create uh, more opportunities and maybe more targeted to the village mm -hmm. and, and work with the owners there. But through incentives, I think that there's some really great opportunity in the near future um, without like I said, ignoring the, uh, the the Pitt Street downtown. So I guess I'm not sure if that answers your question. How, what is the state of our downtowns? I, I think I, I sort of answered that. Um, and what the city can do is, is continue uh, creating additional incentives because there are some really great ones that already exist and working with the, the downtown DIAs uh, to see what the needs are and continue implementing the streetscape plan, which was created a few years ago, which is excellent um, in, in terms of um, cohesive branding for both of our downtowns. Okay, thank you. Bruce. Yeah, it's a fantastic question. Um, also, apologize if you're squeaking in the back. My dog has found a toy and she is very much chewing it. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, the state of our downtowns is something that um, you know, it's impossible to ignore because we drive through them, you know, so often. Uh, there is, Carrie Lynn is right, There's there's been a lot of change, positive change, especially on Pitt Street in the last little bit. But I can't help but think that the change that's happened so far is has happened in spite of processes and not along with processes. And what I mean by that is um, our permit system. This is one of the messages that I am hearing most loudly and most clearly when I'm speaking to voters at doors, reading their emails, having and going to consultations. There is a problem wherein it is taking, there is, you know, we talk about Le Village and how it needs a little bit more tender love and care. There is an amazing shop on Le Village that wants to be open and wants to attract business, but has been waiting and fighting for a permit for over 16 months. Wow. And that's one of dozens of stories that I've heard similar. 16 months is probably the most extreme thing, but three months here, six months here, nine months here, battle after battle after battle. And it's not like um, there's asbestos in the walls or holes in the ceiling. It's over things like the placement of a shelf or the specific range of a sprinkler. These are things that to me, there should be a way where we could issue, here's your temporary permits. You can get up, start making your money back, start having this business. And if you don't do X, Y, and Z, these little things, then yeah, we might have to come in and review that. But to, to outright stop these people from accessing their livelihood because of little things like that, to me, we're, we're setting ourselves back. The village and downtown are great resources with a lot of potential, but we need to be doing everything we can to make sure that the people who want to tap into that potential and want to set up their businesses there and help be a part of that vibrancy in these areas, that we are working with 
not against them to accomplish that. And that's something that I really think needs to change with the incoming council. Okay. Perfect. Thank you, Patrick. Do you have something to say about that? <laughs> I'm going to echo the uh, comments made by Bruce because uh, we attended a meeting last week, Tuesday, uh, downtown. A lot of businesses were complaining about that six months, seven months. Uh, also, the fact that there's uh, it's not consistent. So one day you're good, the next day you're not. Uh, you can't be in the building. You can't be in the building. You call uh, one uh business said she sent 12 emails 12 and they're all unanswered by the city that's unacceptable i'm sorry because if the city would write to you and ask you for tax or for this or for that i don't think they will reach you 12 times if you don't answer the first second time there'll be somebody knocking at the door and saying hey we sent you a notice or you need to fix this or you need to fix that so and this is not um nothing new because in my platform that I designed, a lot of that feedback came from a small business owner that said, you know, I waited six months, I waited eight months, I waited nine months. <clears throat> and sometimes, you know, you hear it from one person and you're thinking, wow, you know, maybe the paperwork wasn't filled right, or you forgot to sign this, or you didn't apply in time. But then another one tells you, another one tells you, another one tells you, and then it's the same from Le Village, from the downtown, from, and the echo, and the momentum you're getting from that is that it is a huge, huge problem. So the permit issue needs to be addressed, period. We need a task force, clear and simple, to address that. Member of council, member of the min and citizen, and possibly chamber of commerce, and find out how can we make these permits available. And I'm with Bruce 100% on that, where, okay, you need the 16 sprinkler, you got 14. I'm sorry, big deal. Here's your permit. <laughs> Install two. We'll give you 60 days to get the two permit, the two mm -hmm. sprinkler install. Is that really necessary to close you down, shut you down? This is a livelihood of people. This is their bread and butter. And um, business owners, they're not millionaires. They're not rich people. They're just trying to make a living. Mm -hmm. uh, we're heading into a recession. We have all-time record high inflation rate. We need to support these people. And the way to support that is to make these permits available in an expedite manner. Cool. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Mr. Steve. Well, uh, I echo what Bruce and Patrick said, but as a, as a new guy, again, I don't know a lot about past projects. Um, my wife and I, we do support as many local shops as we can. Uh, we buy locally, uh, we eat locally, and we've enjoyed everywhere we've, got, we've gone. But I have heard uh, the issues from uh, some of the smaller restaurants. There's an issue with the permits, permits in the past, um, other, they have echoed what Bruce and Patrick had said about uh, their fellow um, shop owners. And there's one thing I was quite surprised when I moved here that they had no free parking uh, during the lunch hour uh, for these small businesses to, you know, have access to from from consumers uh, like myself to drop in and have a, want a quick lunch. Um, I have been victim of the the uh, the parking uh, bylaw officers uh, when I popped into a restaurant thinking that parking had ended at five o'clock, not reading the signs, my own fault, and getting a twenty dollar ticket to add onto my uh, my dinner bill. I don't think that's fair. I've never seen that before, and I would truly like to see some free parking downtown, possibly between the hours of eleven and two, to help these small businesses. Uh, Les Le Villages. Um, Jane and I, we purchased a condo 
uh, at uh, Cotton Mill before we moved here. Uh, we got out of it simply because the building had not started. It's the Stevens building, which is the last in the phase. Um, I was not familiar with the area. Uh, the area needs a lot of work, but the people down there are fabulous and they do need some kind of break. Uh, that's all I really have to say about that. All right. Thank you. And Jason, finally. Thank you. So I do agree. We've seen a lot of uh, improvements in the Pitt Street downtown area uh, over the last couple of years. Um, I do agree that, you know, we can do more. I think, uh, you know, it could, it could be better. Um, I'm one of these people that think that there's always room for improvement. Uh, nothing's ever perfect, right? I did attend that, that meeting that Patrick and Bruce were mentioning earlier with the business owners that were talking about permits. So I do definitely echo their sentiments there with the permit process um, and how developers and businesses are having such a hard time getting permits. I think streamlining uh, our permit process uh, making it easier for de for private developers and for businesses to get permits is always going to help with our downtown area, not just downtown, but everywhere in Cornwall, right? Uh, Le Village, I think, uh, has, has stayed stagnant a little bit uh, over the last few years. I mm -hmm. think there definitely is room for improvement. Um, I'll be honest, I, I don't know what the answer is. Maybe, uh, I think Kevin and mentioned uh, some incentives. I think that's probably a good idea because uh, like she mentioned uh, in her answer, um, a lot of the, the building owners there, they don't, they don't live local. Uh, they own the building, they rent the space. As long as they collect their, their rent every month and they pay their taxes, um, you know, things stay unchanged and uh, that to me, that's uh, the reason why I think uh, mm -hmm. the village area has been stagnant recently. Um, I do like the idea of incentives. That was a good idea. Uh, uh, I think we can do more of that to help revitalize that area because it is a great area. You know, we, we talked about how close it is to the cotton mills. Um, you know, it's right near the waterfront. I think the waterfront uh, in the next, you know, four to eight years is going to really blow up. It's going to, we're finally going to get the waterfront that Cornwall deserves. Um, so I think that's great. Um, I think we can we can do something to help the village area for sure. Perfect. Thank you. All right, my Lisa, I'm going to let you read that one. Oh, all right. So municipal elections are so important and impact so much to citizens day to day life. Yet we all know the voter turnout is very low locally. What do you think we as candidates and the city can do to hopefully increase turnout and end some of this perceived voter apathy towards municipal politics? All right, we'll go with Caroline. Always me first. Yeah, I'm going always the same. Uh, so I think one thing is to make voting easier. Um, I, my mind is blown that South Glengarry has online voting and the city of Cornwall does not. Um, I was expecting it this year for some reason. And then by the time it came to council to uh, approve all the locations, you know, it wasn't there. So I was a bit disappointed. Um, there's a reduced number of polling stations as well. So that's unfortunate. I, I get that it's more open though so there used to be a point in time where you get your voter card and you absolutely had to go to a certain polling station now you can just mm -hmm. go wherever um so that's great but i think making voting easier more accessible to individuals um is the is the first step and then giving people a reason to vote you know they feel so disconnected with everything i remember 
eight years ago when I first started knocking on doors, a lot of people were like, who are you and what do you want? <laughs> what are you selling me? Um, I, I don't think a lot of, I mean, this is not just on the candidates, but I, I, there's a disconnect from the municipal world to the residents. And really it is the level of government that impacts people's lives the most on a daily basis. I'm sure all of us have flushed a toilet so far today. Um, thank your municipal government. Um, but talking to voters, talking to uh, individuals who usually are not um, going to vote on election day or in advance polls and talking to them about issues that matter to them. Uh, I My first election, I knew I wanted to focus on knocking on doors um, at the social housing uh, developments in our community because you know those are the people I want to speak for. I want to hear what's important to them. And I had some really amazing people helping me with my first campaign and they wanted me to get elected, right? And so they said, you know, those folks don't vote. So you should go focus more in Riverdale. <laughs> and um, yeah, I got to Riverdale eventually, but the first, you know, several hundreds of doors I knocked on were people who had likely never voted. And then results came in and my numbers are pretty good in those areas. So folks got out and voted for the first time because I said, look, I'm going to I'm going to be your voice. I want to speak on your behalf, not for you, but tell me what you need. And I want to speak on your behalf. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the same thing for young people. I think uh, that starts in school. That starts in civics, um, where I remember learning about prime ministers and you know the, the the history there but i don't remember learning about how municipal government works and how voting worked and the party systems when it comes to provincial and federal and uh someone mentioned to me recently they have a friend who teaches civics and they were interested in inviting candidates and it was a bit too late and so would you be interested in coming even after the election absolutely i love that because then you're planting the seed uh and so hopefully by the time they turn 18 they understand it and they want to be part of the change and they have that 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 there's no bigger voice than than casting that ballot, right? So if you don't you don't vote, you you don't necessarily have, uh, you know, um, the option to to criticize, you know, who's on council because even if you're voting for people who don't get elected, um, you know, they're at least you're trying, at least you're getting out there and, and you're trying to pick the people who will best represent you. Um, but they're not going to do that if they're not given a reason to. So. Uh, I think we need to be talking to individuals um, face to face, hearing what they have to say. Uh, starting in the schools is a great way. And then just. Carolyn, making... I'm going to have yeah, to. You're gonna stop me, aren't you? Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, stop me. And I could just keep going. But, uh, but also, we should be targeting populations like women and people of color because they are totally yep. disconnected. And so, an extra effort there. Okay, I'm done now. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Bruce, who's uh, the youngest uh, running for council, maybe you have something to say about that. Uh, definitely. And not just from my lived experience as only being 22, but also my education when I studied at school was sort of politics, philosophy, and economics. And part of the stuff that we studied is, is voter turnout and the things that sort of impact it. So it's actually is a pretty big deal for me. Uh, Carrie Lynn talked about the um, like the civics class. I was actually able to go and speak to a civics class during this election period. Uh, you know, I had the privilege to sit, take some time out of my working day to go and put my teaching hat on for a second and explain and talk about municipalities, how it impacts it, local Cornwall issues, and hear their questions and their concerns. And there was some really good stuff. I had one. There was one student who 
asked about like housing because she was worried, you know, at the age of 14 or 15 about buying a home in 10 years and if she'd be able to do that because it's becoming so unreachable for so many. So explaining the importance of the issues to young people is a really, really big thing. Additionally, you have the idea of voting once sets a precedent, right? The study, uh, they, they do it so many different times and you get different numbers each time, but the general agreement is if you vote on your first available opportunity when you turn 18, you are 47% more likely to vote on every subsequent election than those who don't, mm-hmm. right? That is a big number. Um, and that's an, something, so she hit the nail on the head. It's about targeting and getting young people aware and out and voting. The other thing to talk about here is sort of tempering expectations. And so municipal elections have always had lower turnout. I tend to be an optimist. I'm always like, oh, it'll be fine this time. It'll be fine this time. And there is reason to be optimistic. Uh, The municipal elections in BC happened this past weekend and they had higher turnout than previous years. And there was a lot of change there, which was a really promising sign. And then in much closer to home in Ottawa, advanced polls saw 12% of all eligible voters already turn out and vote, which is huge. Because usually, like a place like Cornwall, we capped out about 38%, I think, in 2018. Um, so there are signs that things are moving in the right direction. There's also signs that things are pulling us back, right? The, the provincial election this past June was our lowest turnout, lowest voter turnout of the province in history. It's not a good thing. What can we do? What should we do? It's just talking about it, right? We're always going to say vote for me, but just as important, and some candidates have done a really good job of this, Ryan, Mark, Claude Poitier, all of these, just vote, just vote. And tell your and, and tell your friends to vote. Tell your family to vote. If you have kids who are of age but are out at school, they can vote. You can vote by proxy. There is a process you can fill out for that. That's how I voted in Cornwall last time. I was at, I was in lecture at in first year when my dad went and voted for me. Um, oh, cool. But it's just just a vote. I drag my my girlfriend and my roommates to vote every single time, and I'm pulling them, and I'm like, I'm buying you coffee if you go vote. I'll take you out to lunch if you go vote. Just do it. Just do it. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Patrick. Okay, this is a. Uh, I'm going to echo and, and Carolyn. You're the only um, member here that uh, is an elected official. So what I'm saying is in general terms, I'm not taking shots at you or blaming you for any of that. So please don't feel that I'm, uh, you know, dissing. Careful. Oh, no, I'm not. And, and I've known <laughs> Caitlin for many years, so that's good. First of all, we if we want people to vote, we don't need to repress the vote. Think for a second that the four locations, there's nothing north of 7th Street. If you want to go vote, it's all in the lower end. So north of seven, not one single polling station. It's Benson, St. Felix, Cumberland, and downtown at the mall. That's it. Uh, so we need to stop repressing the vote. I was looking at my card for the advanced polling until six o'clock at night. People work until five or six. How can you go? Like you're done. By the time you race to your polling station, you, it's closed. So that mm-hmm. really cuts the... So maybe the advanced polling... Let's go to eight o'clock at night to give people a little bit you know, more time to, to go. A lot of businesses are done at six. Well, if you're a business owner, you're not going to close half an hour, an hour early just to go and, you know, to advance polling. Uh, a lot, you know, um, I, I did a proxy. One of my friends was leaving for six weeks. He said, Pat, 
um, well, he said, obviously, he's, he's waiting for me. But I went, pro, pro, he told me who he wanted on his list. And I did that. So that's something else that people don't know. Oh, I couldn't go vote. I was not in town. We need maybe to advertise that a little bit uh, better. Um, the other thing, too, is people don't feel their vote matters. They said it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's what I'm sure everybody's heard that. And I'll just take an example. And, you know, city council, we have to be listening to the citizen within reason. But if we do a survey, if we do something and 90 percent of the people say, you know, we think you should go this way, you should go that way. We have to we're elected to listen to them and possibly take that direction, not impose our will or impose our view just because. Um, so if we do that, if we are listening to people, maybe people will go and vote and feel that, OK, this council or this provincial government, this federal government is listening to our concerns. Um, and and again, you know, I was in the Labor Council, and I'm not taking shot at anybody, but when Acting Mayor Grant said that electing anybody else would be disruptive, I, I took offense to that because we're all putting our name on the ballot, and status quo, that could be an option, but certainly to call a new member or a new council or part or partial new council disruptive, it was a little bit harsh. I found that a little bit harsh in a democracy because democracy always wins. So I'll leave uh, my my uh, time to Steve now. But uh, more location, better hours. Thank you. I'm going to keep this short and to the point. Um, I've been here, as I said, three years. I've been walking around talking to a lot of people, and they say, why should I vote? And I tell people straight up, I'm 66 years old. I don't think I've ever missed a vote. It's probably one of the most important things that you can do. I've always been a true believer that if you don't voice your opinion, then don't complain about everything. Now, I when I first moved here, I wanted to get involved with committees. I contacted four sitting councillors, not you, Carolyn, um, uh, that I was advised to contact. And I did not hear from one counselor. I wanted to offer my services uh, to sit on a, on a committee or just to meet somebody. And I've heard that from other residents as I've uh, gone around in the last few weeks. They've emailed, they've texted, they've contacted City Hall, and they have not had a response. It would appear that, and they're saying this, and, and I agree that if your name is not known, nobody calls you back. And that is not fair. But that does not give anybody an excuse not to vote. You want to vote for change, you have to show up at one of the four polling stations. That's also, like Patrick said, four polling stations is, is not enough. And we, and as Carolyn mentioned, I've had the elderly people say, why can't I vote on my phone? Why can't I go on the computer and, and, and pass my vote? It's so important that everybody has to get out and vote. You want change? Go out and vote. Thank you. All right. And Jason. Thank you. Uh, so I'm going to echo a lot of the sentiments have already been ta talked about. Um, four polling stations, that's a, a shame in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, some of our neighbors have the ability to vote online. Why doesn't Cornwall have that? You know, we should. That's, that's just simple in my opinion. Um, I think a lot of the 
bigger issue is that uh, a lot of voters feel disenfranchised. Um, and that and that's really a shame, right? We should be uh, trying to include our, our voters. Um, you know, I've been out knocking on doors and having conversations with a lot of people. Um, that's one way to help engage voters. Um, you know, I think I think the the disenfranchise question is it's 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 a much our issue is is a much larger answer. Um, it can start now with with us the candidates who are running now, you know, getting out, sharing our message. You know, I, I've been on my social media talking about voting by proxy because I know I, I have a lot of friends that have uh, children that are going to college and university that aren't going to be around. So like there, I know of a handful of people that are taking advantage of that, right? The advanced polling, like Patrick said, uh, it's, it's great, um, but it's open till 6 p.m., right? Maybe we need to extend those hours a little bit longer, you know? So... I think there's there's definitely things we can do um, to make the the uh, availability of voting easier in 2026. Unfortunately, we can't do anything now in 2022, but those are those are things that we can take forward and 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 work for for 2026. Thank you, Jason. And I want to add to that, parents, please tell your kids to go vote and push until they get there. <laughs> Okay, um, next question. I'm going to have you read again, Mylise. So we have all heard about the benefits of the city that the proposed development by DevCore will bring. Given that this will house over 10% of the existing residential units in our community in the equivalent of 0.005% of the land mass of the city, what challenges do you foresee this might bring to the city and its infrastructure? And how could the city go about making sure the development addresses these, such as impact on city landfill roads, transit, healthcare, emergency services? That's a big question. It and is. I think this is gonna be the last question of today. Me, I assume. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, um, first of all, maybe let me share my feelings towards this whole this whole development. Um, when it came to council, actually, when it came to my inbox and then uh, reading the council agenda, I was floored at the rec at the at the presentation at the opportunities here um, because they are good. They are certainly things that our community. Um, can take advantage of in terms of growth and whatnot. My concern with DevCore is its current monopoly, current and only will get worse, monopoly on uh, rental units. And that doesn't mean I'm opposed to this. I think this is a really amazing um, proposal. Mm -hmm. um, I would just want to ensure that DevCore going forward is aware of their monopoly and that the city keeps them accountable to make sure that um, they are now part of the solution. If they're, they have such a large footprint already in our community, it's, it's just going to get bigger. They now have a huge part in addressing social development, housing, low-income housing, uh, social housing, all of this. So they need to become a partner um in in the solution for the problem that they have already been creating um so that's something that i i just full disclosure i'm very supportive and and 
really hope to see some of this development happening, but I just want to, I am cautiously optimistic. So uh, let's make sure that we are going into this with our eyes wide open. Um, the one thing I want to mention is development fees. Develop The development charges are fairly new to the city. Uh, they came into play, if, I think, in this past term of council. Uh, we were very behind in that. A lot of uh, municipalities of our size in, in Ontario have development charges. There was certainly some pushback um, from developers, you know, because there was going to be an extra fee. Um, and uh, I don't know if anyone has noticed any slowdown in development in our community, but I haven't. Uh, the, the the residential sector is continuously booming. We're building more than ever. Um, so now those development charges go straight into the city's infrastructure and resources. And so we can take that and um, make sure that our roads are uh, in the best quality that they are. Um, make sure that our services are uh, available to our community. Um, and so knowing the, the big price tag on this massive development at the former NAV location, I know that it will come tenfold in terms of development charges to the community, uh, which will then service everyone. So I think that is one of the biggest advantages of this happening is it's going to create that and a lot more assessment in tax dollars to come to the, the, the coffers where we can then use that to uh, provide more revenue, well, we, taking more revenue to provide more services. The city exists to provide services. Services cost money. People don't like to pay taxes. People don't like increased taxes. This will mean that DevCore will be paying their fair share of tax revenue to make sure that they are addressing um, some of these issues. I saw landfill was maybe mentioned in, in part of that. Yeah, but I'm going to have to. Okay, sorry. I'm going to have to go to someone else. <laughs> All right, Bruce. Okay, I'll try and be brief to help you out because then we've got four other, three other answers. Um, so echoing a lot of what Carrie said, DevCore is an opportunity. Uh, DevCore is also a potential cautionary tale. We need to make sure that we are doing everything in our power to um, avoid a situation like uh, in Kingston, for example. Homestead is a development company. And I struggle when I'm when I'm visiting. I struggle to find a, a massive apartment complex that doesn't have Homestead's name stamped on it. And it, it begets a lot of questions about the relationship with the city and how that influence works and all of that dirty stuff that I don't want to see ever come into Cornwall. So what we need to do is we need to make a place that not just DevCore wants to invest to, but other areas, other developers want to come in with these major investments. Because if we have two or three bids for a major project or two or three people wanting to do something with like a plot of land we're looking at, stuff, that gives Cornwall Council and thus Cornwall people a voice on the matter. We get to see and choose who's getting to set up shop here. And that competition, we can use that to work in our interests. Like Kirill mentioned, we have development charge and development fees, right? If we if we have multiple people coming on there, then our development charge and development fees isn't going to be something that is is contentious because if you're not good, if you want us to waive development charges, oh well, we have this person who's willing to pay them, we're going to go there. Having more options is always beneficial. How we do that, we can do that again with, with permits and zoning reform. Zoning reform is a massive point I could talk about for hours, but um, I'll leave it there that if we handle it properly, DevCore is the first step in a big staircase upwards for Cornwall. And if not, if we trip on it, then it's a, it's a long fall down. Thank you. Patrick. Thanks again. So I 
I'm going to echo and agree with Carolyn and, and Bruce. Um, of course, you know, when you have a big investment like that, you want to be welcome in that. Uh, what I'm hearing is when I'm talking to citizens door to door, they're saying, okay, how much is that going to cost? How much is that apartment going to cost me? How much is that condo going to cost me? Can I afford this? Young people are telling me I'll never buy a house. I can't. It's out of reach now. Uh, so that's one thing. So, and like Carolyn said, they have to be at the table and be part of the solution. So can we have, and I don't know if legally that's feasible, a set number, a percentage of the unit for lower rent social housing, be part of that. So let's make that happen. So it's great to develop. It's great to have, because right now we have jobs and people have nowhere to stay. <laughs> so uh, that's a big, big problem. You, you got a good job waiting for you, but oh, we don't have an apartment, we don't have a home, we don't have a, a place for you to stay. So um I think the uh, the issue is is basically to have them at the table and have them be part of the solution. Absolutely. Okay. Perfect. Thank you, Steve. I met a young couple this past weekend um, who moved out of a DevCore building because of the the rent uh, going up so high. Uh, they now live in a basement with their uh, two year old son, and their major complaint was. Is DevCore going to drive up the price of rents? Um, a lot of people are are a little concerned about the deep pockets of a big corporation coming into the city of Cornwall and possibly taking over the waterfront, building condos. Uh, I don't know what the DevCore's future plans are. I respect what they're doing with, um, you know, DevCan. I don't know a lot about the project, but I do hope that a, a certain percentage does go to affordable housing and perhaps this young couple uh, that live in a basement for, I think they were being uh, charged 15, uh, 1550 a month, something like that. It's just ridiculous. So let's hope that DevCore uh, come in as a, as a, a good partner instead of a lack of a better term, a bully. Okay. Thank you. And Jason. Uh, okay, so thank you. I guess this is the detriment of going last. Most of my talking points that I wrote down when you asked the question have already been talked about. But um, I, I agree with Catalina again. Um, when I saw the presentation, um, you know, talking about 2,300 much needed housing units in Cornwall, um, the development on the waterfront, I'm like, these are all steps in the right direction. Uh, but at the same time, I'm also... Um, cautious because of some of the studies and some of the papers I've read about um, how uh, one housing development will come in and, and monopolize all the units in a city and and that tends to lead to uh, a lower quality of life or for the, those renters right so I'm a little cautious there uh, I have seen uh, you see the devcore signs everywhere when you drive around Cornwall so you've seen them everywhere, I know right? it's like dev you, Cornwall you're, you're, now just about right <laughs> And but you're seeing that they're 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 at least uh, beautifying the the exterior of their buildings, right? I, I know that uh, they are doing renovations in some of the apartments. When so, they're not kicking people out, right? They're not saying, okay, I want to do renovations. You need to mm -hmm. leave. You got too much. They're they're waiting till the tenants move out on their own, and then they're renovating uh, the apartments, right? So in that case, I think that's great. Uh, we're we're not in a Cumberland Gardens sort of situation. Mm -hmm. Those renovations. Um, but I'm cautious. I'm cautious. Okay. I'm also optimistic. Okay. That's good. Um, I'm going to 
do because there's one more question that's there sitting in the chat i'm gonna ask it very quickly though um it, sh the lady asks for we are talking of change and new priorities with a new council please tell me two or three prior new priorities you have for council not things already on the book something new please so i'll start with jason <laughs> i'll go reverse Ooh, i get time. to go first this time all right so um do this really quickly so i come from a soccer background um one thing that's near and dear to my heart is soccer and youth sports um i would love to see um an outdoor turf field multi-sport outdoor turf field uh for the city of cornwall um i've talked spoken to the wildcats organization they would love that the sea valley soccer club would love that it would give the the youth of cornwall extra months to train right right now we can't start for soccer i'm, I'm just going to talk soccer because that's foremost in my brain um we can't start training until end of may maybe early june until the fields dry up and then we've got to stop around late october early november right so this would give us a few extra months of training uh her field isn't that expensive a little over a million dollars there's three hundred fifty thousand dollars sitting in coffers from uh the, the construction of the benson center that can be used for towards that there's provincial federal grants that we could apply for um if installed properly turf field will last 25 to 30 years so that is a generating uh, income generating uh infrastructure for the city of cornwall and i'm going to stop there so the others have a chance to Perfect. answer as Thank well you, steve excellent well second oh wow uh i just hope the new council anybody on council are going to be a bit more open-minded. Um, I'd like to look at the ward system. I've uh, lived in, a in an area of, of the province that we've had a ward system, and I've lived in an area where we've had at large. And I've see I, I have seen um, quite a few more benefits from the ward system. Uh, I want to attract uh, higher paying jobs to this city. It's nice to have a water park, but I don't think there's, there are going to be very many high-paying jobs there. I think we need a water uh, a water park. I'm sorry, a dog park. Um, we're your pet owners. I don't see that. I was baffled to see when we moved to Cornwall. I assumed it was my own fault that we had a dog park. Uh, after seeing the one in Morrisburg where we had looked for homes, um, I was shocked. So, And last but not least, like Jason, uh, more for the youth. Uh, as a football coach, as a um, as a wheelchair uh, provincial coach, um, as a somebody that believes in in youth, I think we need a lot more for our youth to do in the city. So I would really push for that. Thank you, uh, Patrick. I see there's a gentleman that put a lot of questions for me. So I just want to respond to him real quick that, yes, I did go in the East End all weekend. I was going door to door. So I'm sorry if I missed you or didn't go to your house. And as far as uh, sex work, I believe in choice. Yes. So that is a choice. It's forced labor when girls are forced into prostitution. That's where my human trafficking background comes in. That's why I would object to so places that are a hub for, for that. I just want to clarify back. that yeah. you're, you're answering questions that are coming on the chat, right? Correct. Just these okay. two points. Now I'm going to go to the real questions. Perfect. Um, so I'm a bit with Steve. So I'd like to see wards because a lot of people are saying that they call council. It's bounce around. And at the same time, reduce the size of council. So go from 11 members right now to nine. Uh, so you'd have a mayor. 
a deputy mayor full-time that would be a councilor at large and seven districts or seven wards for the city. And I'm also would like to see council being leaders. So let's take a freeze of salary for the next four years. Once we reduce the size from 11 to nine, take that savings and review the salary in four years. And on the savings, you can adjust that. So that would be one thing. On the environment, we need to recycle styrofoam. Holy smokes, how come we're not doing this? I know it goes by weight, but we have so much styrofoam going in the uh, landfill site. And that that is, uh, we're running out of space. We're running out of room. So we have to find a way to basically uh, recycle that. We're down to two bags uh, a week. I have no problem with that. But where, where should I put my styrofoam? And I know they're saying, well, don't buy it, whatever. Well, I just bought a, an appliance the other day. I just received it. And it was full of styrofoam inside. So what am I supposed to do with this? You know? Um, so that's... Um, a topic that needs to be seriously looked into. I'd like to know how much styrofoam we have in the landfill. Anyways, I'll leave my uh, my time to to Bruce now. Perfect, Bruce. Uh, thanks, Patrick. So um, I have three main pillars of my platform, and I'll pick one new priority from each of them. Affordable housing. We need to reform zoning. We need to have. A, first of all, it's it's just due for it anyway. It's a very archaic system. It can build affordability, sustainability, and um, let let us have a better say in, in the future of what Cornwall is going to look like by by playing around with, with the skeleton that forms what can and can't get built where. That's number one. Um, number two, for our waterfront, I would love to see after we finalize the acquisition, which is priority number one, we need to launch an open public consultation. The waterfront development plan is nice. Um, but to me, it, it lacked sufficient public consultation, whether that was people, there were opportunities where there was a failure to properly communicate that those opportunities were there or failure to, for, to motivate people to go out and have their say on it. I'd like to see us do that again before we start breaking ground on anything because Cornwall deserves to say what Cornwall's waterfront looks like. And um, finally, I would love to see, aside from an internal audit on our permitting uh, system within the city of Min, I would kind of, Pat and I touched on it earlier, uh, sort of a working group task force comprised of uh, business owners, city admin, and city councillors to accelerate, solve, and put long-term solutions so that we can start rolling out the red carpet for businesses and start making and developing the city into the future prosperous place that I know it can be. Perfect. Thank you so much. And Carolyn. So this is priorities that are not currently happening, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what the question but, was. Yes. Um, I, may, I may get off topic. I, something that I that's actually was in my platform eight years ago and was an effort at some point in the last four years, and it doesn't ever seem to um, see the, you know, the, the light of day is, uh, and we, I think we've all kind of mentioned it a little bit is to have a youth, engagement uh retention and attraction strategy and and, and but a, a strategy created by youth for youth so uh having an opportunity to create somewhat of a little task force of local youth and when i say youth that goes up to like to say 29 <laughs> um and uh making sure that we're hearing from them what are the needs what would what would attract young professionals to our community and then implement it. Uh, that would be just a, a, a tiny little piece of, that I, I would like to see in the next four years. Um, I wanna continue 
building relationships with Akwesasne. We've started, we're dipping our toe in the water, but we can really go all in here. Uh, it's an amazing opportunity. We want to take ownership of our waterfront, but I think we should continue doing it in partnership with Akwesasne like we have done with the Portlands. Uh, there's so much more land that we don't own. That's something that a lot of people I don't think realize that the, a lot of the waterfront land we, we don't even own. So uh, forging ahead with partnerships, always including Akwesasne, um, we really need to address the income disparity in our community. There's a incredible uh, gap. Um, a lot of individuals in our community are living below the poverty line, are struggling to put food on their table. So uh, focusing on that, and that'll be, you know, obviously focus on housing. And I, I guess I can't say that because we're doing a lot on housing, but there's so much more. We have a great um, recommendation, but we need to be more aggressive in implementing those recommendations from the mayor's task force on housing. Uh, there are timelines in that recommendation that are next year, the following year. Let's just go all in and uh, and be more aggressive. When it comes to recycling, which was mentioned, um, we this is in the works, but uh, collecting organic waste. That is the, you know, when I started composting, I realized that I went from, you know, a bag a week to a bag of every two months. Um, so organics is in the works, but it needs to happen sooner rather than later because every year that we don't do that, we are just eating up the landfill. So that'll divert a ton of waste from our landfill, which will in the long run save folks a lot of money. If they are being more um, cautious with what they're putting in their trash, then we won't have to close the landfill as soon as it is uh, pro uh, projected to be. Closing and then creating a new landfill or looking to put our waste elsewhere is going to be millions of dollars. Um, so if we can just continue to divert and um, public consultation, I think if, if you have, if you have mentioned this, uh, there have been many opportunities for the community to provide input, but we are, we need to step it up a little bit. What I've noticed in my own work is that if you just put a survey up online and you rent a room at a city facility and you ask folks to show up from six to eight on a certain day, you're going to get people who are incredibly opposed and incredibly in favor of whatever that issue is. You need to break down that box and go to where people are and have them thinking about issues they've never considered before. What do you think of the waterfront? What do you think of recreation? What do you think of our transit system? Going to pop up in different parks and go to food banks and go to where the people are and have those conversations and force them to, to have a say rather than all of us who are kind of in the know of what's going on, uh, showing up and um, answering the surveys, going to public consultation, it skews the results a little bit. So I think we should be a little bit pushier in terms of uh, public consultation. And uh, and it's it's obviously gonna come with the waterfront. A lot of it has been done, but there's way more to do. And I'm so glad that we have great partners with the, the Portlands. They're doing great work in terms of, um, of public engagement, and I'm and I'm hopeful that when we are ready to start creating a plan, that uh, we do exactly that. As we we don't just set up shop at a at the Benson Center for a couple of hours, we go and we talk to people and uh, ask them what their real desire is and what their hopes and dreams are for the waterfront. Okay, perfect. Mm -hmm. All right, so um, that's it for today. There's a lot of activity in the chat on YouTube yeah. and uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, 
but I'm going to let you go, guys, because we've gone for an hour and seven minutes. It was supposed to be only an hour. So I apologize for the extension. But um, I wish you the best of luck to all of you on the 24th. And um, yeah, have a great And everybody get out and vote. Get out and vote. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So have a great day, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much, everybody. Bye. All right. Thank you. Merci. Okay, I'm gonna, all right, are we, yeah. Okay, so that's it for today. But I, I just wanna mention the... one quick thing because I know the recycling and all that is a big thing on the landfill. This week is Cornwall Gives a Shirt. So okay. if you've got any clothing, put it out and mark the bag, give a shirt, Cornwall Gives a Shirt, and that'll be picked up and again, that will go to recycling. Like it'll go to the Gappy Salvation Army um, and Serendipity as well, Baldwin House. So put all your, recycle all your clothing instead of it going in the landfill. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that is this week. Okay, so um, I think that's it for us. Don't forget tonight, uh, Christopher LeClaire is gonna be on from seven to 7.30 with us. And then tomorrow night we have all the may well hopefully all, all the, the all the gosh i can't talk mayor all candidates mayor all candidates to nine um, <laughs> including jordan so all of you on on youtube who are um chatting right now you can come in and watch him um and i'm sure he's going to address all your questions and all your um your comments that were uh on today and uh, the same goes for you um who was it that was talking uh richard if you want to talk to uh jordan he'll go he's going to be on tomorrow and then on wednesday we have uh fred gunjo abby dusain and corey dixon and that's going to be the last of our election um sessions all right so i hope you guys have a terrific day and a super duper week see you hopefully tonight yep all right bye bye bye